When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Three Swings listeners, Rhea Butcher here. Just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to episode one. Really stoked on all the awesome feedback online. And just wanted to remind you to follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's at Three Swings Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And then also follow me on my social media, uh, which is mostly Twitter, uh, at Rhea Butcher for both Instagram and Twitter. Um, And please keep those questions and comments coming in because i think i'm going to use them in future episodes uh and make sure to subscribe review and tell your friends about three swings i used to think that this was my town what a stupid thing to think i hear you biting off a brain now i myself am on the brain Oh man, this is episode two of Three Swings with Rhea Butcher. I'm your host, Rhea Butcher, the aforementioned Rhea Butcher hosting the show. Um, I'm very excited about this podcast. Thanks for being with us, uh, listening to it. I think, oh man, it's just going to be really fun. I People keep asking me, how's it going? We're you know putting a couple in the tank because I'm going to be, well, I will have been on the ocean on a boat Got to speak in the right tenses here because this is the past and you're in the future. How's the future? Have we fixed everything? Probably not. It's just a matter of a couple weeks, but you never know. A lot can change in a week. That's just like baseball is. <laughs> but I'm really excited about this podcast and I'm really excited for the season to start to have um, a little bit more of an active conversation about what's going on in baseball. But these first couple episodes I'm excited about because I get to talk about just the things that excite and interest me and the people that I like. And so... Episode one, we had the lovely Josh Gondelman, and he had that amazing uh, uh, um, a good game hashtag. And this episode, we have an amazing guest that I'm so excited about because I've been a fan of his for such a long time, and I hate saying that because that's like adding time <laughs> to something. But honestly, though, Greg Proops is my guest later on, so please stick around for that. We had uh uh, an amazing conversation about baseball. Just a conversation about baseball. Nothing really super specific, just talking about baseball, which is exactly what I've always wanted to do. But up top, I'm going to talk about what has gone on in the hot stove <laughs> this past week in baseball uh, because the the sort of slow trickle-down economics of free agency this season uh, has been really interesting. Um, and the big move this past week, which is, uh, this is I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, so this is how far back in the past we're going to 1885 essentially uh part three back to the future i don't know what i'm talking about 
Yu Darvish has gone to the Cubs. So, interestingly, Yu uh, Darvish has only played in his major league career for baseball teams with the primary color of blue. <laughs> Weird, right? I mean, it's just kind of funny. There's 30 teams, and uh, you pitch for three of them, and they all have the primary color of blue and a secondary color of red and a third color of white. Weird. What is... That's weird. It's coincidence, I'm sure, but also weird. So he signs uh, to the Chicago Cubs for six years at $126 million. Just FYI, he's 31. Six years, he's going to be 37. Now, one of my favorite pitchers is 37 right now, so I can't throw too much shade to you know the the potential greatness of a 37 year old pitcher. But I do think it's I do think it's a a pretty big investment, and I mean the Cubs do love a project. <laughs> I will say that, but it is. Uh, I mean, it's essentially Arietta out and Darvish in. And I do think, I will stand by my word, I think that Arietta is going to the Rangers. I've thought this ever since he said he wasn't going back to Chicago. I think he wants to, one, go home, and two, uh, do a sort of Nolan Ryan kind of a thing. I don't know. He, I, I'm not a huge fan of that guy, fan of his pitching. I like the way he pitched, but not, a, not necessarily the things he says. But, uh... That seems like the right fit. I can't imagine him actually going to the Brewers because it just seems odd to win the World Series with the Chicago Cubs after 108 years and then just go upstate, basically. It's just weird. I mean, the Brewers are definitely going for it. So he would be on a team that's that's going, that has a solid, solid, somewhat underrated, not in baseball, but maybe a little bit outside of baseball and fandom, uh, underrated rotation with, like I said last week, one of the best and most improved closers in the game and an underrated closer, uh, Corey Knebel. But um, I just, I'm curious. Now, is hitting the number one priority for a pitcher? Not at all. But (laughs) Hugh Darvish, I mean, one of his at-bats, I believe in the NLCS, uh, Contreras was essentially throwing the ball back and he swung at it. And I just (laughs) think, to me, that was a level of, commitment to the game at hand that seems a little iffy to me for Darvish. I stuck up for that guy when uh, Yuri or Yuli, is it Yuri or Yuli? I always forget. I think it's Yuli Gurriel. The R's are in the last name. That's what I I think what I try to tell myself. Um, Stuck up for Darvish because like he was being a shithead to Darvish. There's like no, I mean, even if your intentions, and like I was saying last week, your intentions were not to be offensive. You were, so, like, just be like, yeah, my bad. I got caught. I shouldn't have been doing that. That's a stupid thing. Kids are watching. It's very simple. Very simple. But I did think Darvish, like, falling on his sword was a bit... It was foreshadowing, I think. <laughs> he wasn't... I'm not saying Darvish had to be like, he's a jerk and he's a this, he's a that. He could forgive him, but it felt like a weird rush to forgive the guy. And I don't I don't know. The whole thing was weird and I, I wasn't... Wasn't a huge fan of it, <laughs> to say the least. The whole ordeal kind of tainted the entire World Series for me. Sorry, Astros fans. I'm sure you'll be happy, and we'll all forget about this in... We already did. Um, so moving on, the Diamondbacks are back in with J.D. Martinez, which I think, just do it, Diamondbacks. I know you're worried about losing Paul Goldschmidt, but honestly, is Goldschmidt kind of... I, I don't know. There's Just do it. They have these teams have so much money. I, you know, I'm not going to like crunch the numbers and be like, oh, I see, but I'm not an accountant. I'm not Jonah Hill in Moneyball, who was a fictional character. 
a combination of a bunch of people. I'm not a combination of a bunch. Actually, I am. That's what that that's what DNA is. But I, I'm not going to crunch numbers. It just seems to make sense to me. He lit up your team. You know, they had some uh, late season injuries uh, with some dudes whose names I can't remember, but I absolutely picked up for my fantasy team and dropped probably a thousand teams times. Did I tell everyone that I had over 300 acquisitions over the season? I did. Everything's fine. But I think he's a good addition to the Diamondbacks. I mean, you lose J.D. Martinez. Uh, they also, and just to keep going with the hot stove moves, that and people aren't really talking about the moves the Rockies made, and they made some, to me, pretty decent moves over the offseason. Um, so you lose, they, they traded Chris Iannetta. I don't even know who the Diamondbacks got for it. I didn't do enough research. Whatever. I'll get better at this. Chris Iannetta was hitting really well, especially in the second half. So the Rockies pick up Chris Iannetta and drop Jonathan LaCroix, who was like, you know, the huge, the 2016 guy, and turned down uh, Cleveland. And I was at game one of the 2016 World Series. And at game one, I was more surrounded by Cleveland fans than in game two, which was almost completely Chicago fans, which was not a great experience, I wouldn't say necessarily. But uh, in game one, all the dudes behind me were like making fun of Jonathan LaCroix for not going to Cleveland. But a lot of players, Jonathan LaCroix included, have no trade clauses. And sometimes that's because they literally don't want to go to a city. But a lot of times it's because they don't want to wear a particular uniform. And I think Jonathan LaCroix was one of those guys. Um, but he didn't go to Cleveland, and so he did not play in the World Series. And then last season, he was with the Rockies. And, I mean, he played. He wasn't breaking out in any way. So I really think the pickup of Chris Iannetta is a really smart move on the Rockies' part. Because I think he's going to, I mean, he's played in the West. He knows what's up with the Diamondbacks. He knows what's up with the Dodgers. I don't know. I mean, I think the Rockies have an even better chance this season with also Wade Davis and picking up Brian Shaw, who I am very familiar with for being a, a middle reliever for Cleveland and just a solid, you know, he's a solid middle reliever. And now, and I couldn't even name a middle reliever for Colorado. It's just Greg Holland. That's it. <laughs> That's, I mean, I knew a bunch of their pitchers, too, and now I couldn't even name one of them. Um, some other questions that are still up in there. These are the remaining free agents. J.D. Martinez, Eric Hosmer, uh, Jake Arietta, Mike Moustakis, Jonathan LaCroix, and Lance Lynn. I am shocked that Lance Lynn hasn't been picked up because he seems like he could be a decent bargain for almost any team at this point. He had a great second half. Uh, just uh, closed out another underrated rotation in baseball in St. Louis. I mean, Cleveland, pick up Lance Lynn. Come on, somebody. I don't know. Um, shocking that these guys, especially Hosmer and Mostakis, are still on the board. I know Mostakis was coming back from an injury and didn't have as great of a season, but people are chatting that he might be going to the Yankees, which would be an interesting pickup. I feel like Mostakis to the Mets and hang on to Frazier. That's just me. I don't know. I don't care what New York does. <laughs> New York can do whatever they want to do. And then also my last uh, hot stove question. Uh, a lot of people are thinking LaCroix might go to Houston, but I don't think that's a good fit. I think Real Muto, uh, which people have been talking about, JT going to Houston would be a perfect fit. And then what, they have 10 catchers? I mean, sounds good, you know? <laughs> you can never have too many catchers. <laughs> that's the number one rule in baseball. You can never have too many catchers. So... That's what's going on with the free agents. Spring training is starting pretty soon. Uh, 
or it already started because it's the future. I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to go to spring trading. So, you know, if anybody has free tickets or anything, wants to drive me there, bring my dog, I don't know, whatever you want to do. If you want to hang out, go to spring training together, wear flip-flops. You know what I mean? Wear a bunch of uh, plastic bracelets like Joe Madden. I don't know. Let's rent an RV. Let's go to spring training together. The MLB is doing a, like a, a music festival now. They're really just going for it and trying to be like, we're into young people. It's called the Innings Festival. I mean, it seems fun. The Decemberists are playing. Chris Stapleton, too. I think they're just like, yeah, we got to hit all the quadrants. <laughs> just just all the things. It is, a, I would say, a very white lineup. But that's baseball in a nutshell, a very white lineup. So anyway, uh, we'll be back. I'm going to talk about a very... Um, interesting and uh, thought-provoking article that I read yesterday when we come back on Three Swings, Rhea Butcher. I'm Rhea Butcher. I heard enough of the white man's blues. I've sang enough about myself. So if you're looking for some bad news, you can find it somewhere. Hey, Three Swings listeners, Rhea here, and I just wanted to tell you about a product that I absolutely love, and it is Tomboy X underwear. That's right. I'm talking about my underwear. I have posted photos of it, and people like to say, oh, that's her underwear. Yes, it is. It's my underwear. That's the underwear that I choose to wear. I love their underwear because it fits me. And I don't just mean the size. I mean the style. The whole thing is fantastic. I love Tomboy X underwear because they have more function than frills, and it doesn't look like something my mom would get me. Although, it's more of like a conceptual mom because my mom would totally get me Tomboy X underwear. Uh, My personal favorite are the four and a half inch briefs and then the six inch briefs in the micro modal fabric um they are fantastic and it almost feels like you're not wearing any underwear at all they have bikinis briefs boxer briefs trunks and boy shorts soft bras razorback bras they even have swimsuits and stuff in everyday basic colors fun seasonal prints and brilliant colors all options come in extra small to 4x so regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum tomboy x offers amazing underwear that anybody Feels comfortable in. See what they did there? So go to TomboyX.com slash baseball and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Three Swings listeners get an extra 15% off with code baseball. Again, code baseball gets you an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you've been wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com slash baseball. I know you're tired and you ain't sleeping well. Uninspired but wherever you are, I hope the high road leads you home again. Welcome back to Three Swings. I'm Rhea Butcher. I'm your host. Uh, thanks again for listening to the show. And just a quick shout out to Forever Dog. I forgot to mention that up top. And another shout out to Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Um, I love that song. I was listening to it yesterday. On a walk, I walked to my local hardware store. I've been trying to, if you know me and have been following me for a while, I love uh, shopping local and trying to buy Made in the USA, even though Made in the USA is problematic. I know that. You don't need to tell me. Working on it, trying to do the best I can. <laughs> walked to the hardware store, decided I was going to buy a new wooden-handled hammer because I didn't have a wooden-handled hammer. Thought I was going to get one handed down to me. And you know what? I just decided I'm going to start my own. So I went bought a hammer because I was thinking if I had a hammer, (laughs) I'm not going to do the Ellen bit. So I walked with my dog, bought a hammer, walked home. And the whole way on the walk, everybody was being so polite to me. This dude in a pickup truck 
went into the crosswalk, saw me walking, backed up all the way. And I was like, wow, what is going on? And then I looked down and remembered, oh, I'm carrying a hammer. <laughs> I feel like I should maybe just carry a hammer everywhere. Then maybe people would leave me alone. <laughs> people would be nicer to me. Um, but thank you for listening. I was listening to Jason Isbell that whole time is what I was trying to say. Man, I am long-winded, but that's why I have a podcast. That's the whole thing. Uh, I was listening to Jason Isbell and... Man, does he make some, for me, some relatable music. I just relate to that guy's music. I think you should give him a listen. And also give Amanda Shire a listen. Um, They are uh, not only music partners, but also people partners. They have some kids together, and they make great music. So just some wonderful, wonderful folks, wonderful music. He also does a great live cover of Like a Hurricane, Neil Young's uh, hit from years past, which people ask me all the time, if I was going to have some walk-up music, what would it be? I would choose Eternal Flame. Or Whip It by Devo, or Neil Young's unplugged performance of Like a Hurricane, and I would make them play the whole thing. So look that up on YouTube. Have a laugh on your, have a laugh outside of the podcast. So uh, we have a great interview with Greg Proops coming up. Before that, though, I wanted to talk about an article that I read the other day. Now, I was trying to search through my Twitter feed, but I tweet too much, and it's taking me too long to get back. But the other day was National women's women in sport and and sports not national women in sport what is this the 40s it's not um and so i decided to just tweet off the top of my head um all the things i've been thinking about some of the things that i'd love to talk about more in depth throughout the season of baseball and throughout the podcast um one of them being the sonoma stompers an independent baseball uh sort of pacific league team owned in part by francis ford coppola but who have been very uh, forward-thinking in terms of their hiring, not only on the field, but also in the front office. I made pals uh, with one Jen Mac Ramos. Sorry, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Jen. Ramos, I apologize. I realize now I only really read it, and maybe you said it to me one time. So please correct me. Let me know. I apologize if I got it wrong. Uh, they were the first, I think, ever uh, non-binary front office uh, person to be hired in professional baseball. That's something else that maybe, you know, just challenge yourself to think about. Like, Major League Baseball isn't the only professional baseball, which is really awesome and opens up a lot more opportunity. And the Sonoma Stompers are taking those opportunities. So they worked there for quite some time. They now write for the Hardball Times and do um, some other stuff. They're really great at uh, data in baseball and not just the hard numbers, but the hard numbers and how they translate to the actual social nature of the game. But also, they're just a great, fantastic scout. They were uh, uh, assistant GM for the Sonoma Stompers. And uh, during their tenure, there were also many women that played on that team. And I believe 2015 or 2016 was the first year that uh, an all-female battery was fielded for a professional baseball team since the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. That's bonkers. That's 70 years. 70 years it took for a woman to pitch to a woman catcher <laughs> in a professional baseball game. 70 years. How bonkers is that? And I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, I've met a lot of people, uh, women in, in baseball, women, non-binary folks, gender, queer folks, trying to be as inclusive with my language, but I'm using women here because uh, that is what applies. However, it, there's just a lot of conversation about it. And I, I, I actually met... Um, I have met over the course of a couple of years some women that played in the All-American Girls uh, Professional Baseball League, one of them being uh, Gina Casey, who played second base for the 
Rockford Peaches, who was pals with uh, Pepper and all of them. And I remember meeting her and talking with her and asking her what it was like. And it, I was really honored and grateful to get to meet her. Something that she said that really stuck out to me that I've thought about ever since was she said, you know, we just we didn't have the same opportunities as girls have now with softball and everything. And it was interesting to me because I have such a chip on my shoulder about softball. I also respect it as a sport and the people who play it because I think, you know, it's one of those, this could apply to so many things. It's so easy for us to say, oh, girls sports are dumb. (laughs) And then you just participate in the whole binary, right? Like we want girls to be able to play baseball because they should be able to play baseball and everybody shuffles them into softball because it keeps them out of baseball. But at the same time, they're very good at playing softball. So I, I don't want to say softball is useless. It's not. It's a sport. It's a separate sport. But it's it's a separate sport, you know? It's a different sport. We're not talking... You know, it's, it's kind of like saying, like, oh, girls can't play football. They can only play soccer. It's almost as though we do have that conversation. But it was interesting to talk to someone from a different generation who was allowed to play the sport that she loved. And, and I do mean allowed. Think about that, too. Like, so often the conversation is about someone being lucky enough or good enough or all these things. What if you're good enough and you're still not, you get, you don't get to play because somebody has to let you. I mean, that's just a wild way to live your life, you know, to, to feel as though you can only be let to do something that you don't get to achieve based on your achievement only. I'm also reading Jackie Robinson's autobiography and would love to cover that more in full in a later episode, but it's something that's striking me throughout his uh, autobiography is just how much, how much of that weight of what I'm talking, that feeling of, of someone else being the reason that you get to do the thing you do, how much that just weighs on a person throughout their entire life. And I'm not equating, um, you know, gender inequality with racial inequality because they're not the same. They sometimes affect, both affect one person. So these are different conversations that have similarities. There's a Venn diagram, if you will, of these uh, two types of discrimination. Um, So anyway, that was really fascinating to me to talk to her and have her say that, that like she didn't, have the opportunity of softball because it allowed me to see a bigger picture, which is that it's not, nothing is, uh, you know, forgive the punt black and white. There are, there is gray area that she would have been probably grateful to continue playing on a diamond of some sort on the field. As long as she got to play because she didn't get to play anymore. It was baseball or nothing. Whereas now it's softball or nothing. So for me, and I think for a lot of other people, it should be baseball or softball or nothing. You know, I think that's what it should be. We're all about like free market in this country, but only when it is convenient for those that are making the money, right? So the Sonoma Stompers have fielded many women, mostly pitchers and a catcher or two. And then last season, uh, Stacey Piagino was the first woman to record a win as a winning pitcher since, again, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Now, I haven't fully dove into the numbers, but there were women that played uh, professional baseball in the Negro Leagues after the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, but I do not think any... I No, people pitched. May, perhaps she just didn't record a win. Um, but I'll look more into that again at a, at a later date. And so I decided to make continue this thread and talk about um, women's hockey, which was a sport that... Uh, I didn't know there was a women's league because everybody has blind spots and they fought for, I don't want to say pay equality because uh, fighting to be paid, period, is not necessarily pay equality. Um, The National Women's Hockey Team, uh, which plays for Team USA and then goes to the Olympics for us, uh, was not being paid at all. And the excuse of the uh, sort of Olympic 
whatever the national team sort of board was well we don't pay the men but the conversation that's not the conversation you have to actually pull the lens out a little bit wider and say oh well, you don't have to pay the men because they're all playing professional hockey <laughs> they're all playing in the nhl and they're making lots of money which i'm not saying don't give them the money but it's unfair to say oh these men who fly on private jets and have personal trainers and make tons of money playing hockey well, we don't pay them, and so we're not going to pay these women who have multiple other jobs and can't keep those jobs because they dedicate eight months out of the year to playing for the national team on their own dime. It's you. It's not an equal... Com- the conversation isn't even equal, so I can't even say it's about gender pay equity. And they fought and won uh, to, to be paid. They are now paid a stipend to represent our country at the Olympics and at, you know, world championships. It's and it's not they weren't even asking for that much money. They were just asking to be paid for their skill. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think that goes back to the conversations we've been having about Major League Baseball and free agency is that uh you know, it's so easy to say oh these millionaires and their million dollar troubles. Sure, that is a conversation to have, but you're leaving out the fact that the team is billionaires <laughs> versus millionaires. So it, it it's yeah. Anyway, I've covered that part already. Um, so in in making this thread, I also brought up a lot of uh, women, non-binary, genderqueer. Uh, oh, also the, the the National Women's Hockey League, which which is a thing that you should definitely check out in the Canadian uh, Women's Hockey League. Uh, they also have uh, two trans players, uh, one in each league. So check them out for sure. Very cool. Very inclusive uh, leagues doing a lot of stuff. Very cool. Um so I also wrote about a lot of writers who were, you know, uh, either LGBTQ or uh, women, non-binary, you know, any any of the any and all of the above, uh, trying to shout all of them out. And and one that I forgot and who I'd like to give a big shout out to right now is uh, Lindsay Adler, who is writing for Deadspin, and she is now going to be uh, like a beat writer for the Yankees and the Mets, which is just awesome. And uh, neither of those are really my teams, but guess what? I'm going to be reading about them because I really enjoy reading Lindsay's work. Um, but today I would like to talk about uh, an article that was written by uh, internet friend and tremendous baseball and just all around sports writer, uh, Brittany De La Creta. Again, <laughs> I only met you in person and you said your first name, but I did notice the other day on Twitter, you said the Z is silent. So I'm working on it. This, this like Ohio jaw isn't great at pronouncing things. Um, but we've become pals over Twitter. You came to one of my shows in Boston. Tremendous baseball writer has allowed me to feel feelings for the Marlins on occasions. So thank you for that, Brittany. But she wrote a, a, a great article called uh, "The Old Ball Game" for Bitch uh, for Bitch Magazine, uh, a magazine that I've subscribed to for years and years. And if you're a feminist, if you're LGBTQ, if you're, I highly recommend subscribing to bitch they've been a a tremendous publication for most of my sort of young life uh i kind of am young still i'm the oldest one of the oldest millennials you understand i don't need to do that whole bit for you she wrote this great article called uh the old ball game with the byline uh a hundred years after amanda clement baseball still can't recruit female umpires and it's it's a real quick but solid read Essentially about the fact that, uh, and it's such a great microcosm of what, uh, when we talk about gender pay gaps and we talk about opportunity, um, something that comes up throughout her article 
is if you don't see someone like you doing a job, it's hard to imagine that you can do that job. And I think it's hard for someone who doesn't have that experience to really put themselves in those shoes because we 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 prop up the the one person that did it or this person that broke through or what you know all those things and we say well see it it happens but you don't know what it's like to be that person and have only one person like you to look to that did the job and and then they had to do it perfectly it's also not you know when you're the only one doing a job everyone is watching you and so this is about umpires <laughs> and when you're doing that job everyone is watching you and it is some might say a thankless job and uh, a, a hated job. It's not like people love umpires. So it's a job that a lot of people don't want to do. A lot of people hate umpires, really, really dislike them. And so essentially, uh, you know, there's, you got to go to umpire school. You got to pass the, I mean, it's just, you're, you're threading these needles to get to a position simply to do a job you want to do that you maybe didn't even know you wanted to do because you didn't see any, anybody like yourself doing it but it's like baseball in general you don't see women playing it girls go uh i had a friend who has a daughter he was trying he's gotten her into baseball we're baseball pals and then she went to tryouts and of course they put her into softball and he wasn't there but and he's like but she wants to do it so i'm not gonna fight her but it's like you don't know that that's what she wants to do because that's what she wants to do because there's all the girls are over on this side playing softball and all the boys are playing baseball and you go well i guess i'm supposed to be over there i mean it's hard to you know i don't it's you feel like you're whining you know you feel like you're whining because it's this amazing opportunity that you want to have and it's so easy to say well you're not good enough yeah, I'm not good enough to play professional baseball, but that doesn't mean that women shouldn't play professional baseball. I know women that play baseball better than men. <laughs> Just period. So therefore, it must be true. And when you're kept out of something, when you're not part of the conversation, when people don't think of you for things, when you don't think of yourself for something, it keeps you from doing the thing. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that. And it's very easy to just walk by that conversation and say, ah, not true. But I guess the whole point of why I'm even bringing this up and within the context of baseball is it's something easy to point to and say, look, there are none. Why is that? It's not a contact sport. It's not about bodies crashing into each other and the fact that, you know, a huge body versus a small body is dangerous. That's not what we're talking about. It's you're throwing a ball. And I truly believe that women were ushered into softball because women were playing professional baseball in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League and in the Negro Leagues, and they were catching up. Baseball and tennis are the two sports that women could catch up. And speaking of tennis, I watched the movie, uh, the fictional, somewhat historically fictional, however much license they took in it, but um, The Battle of the Sexes about Billie Jean King versus... Bobby Riggs and I actually you know I, I think there were some liberties taken in that movie not uh, too big of ones because Billie Jean was there promoting the movie so she had to be okay with it and uh, you know I would recommend watching that movie because I think it's it's real easy to think oh nothing's that bad and number one that wasn't that long ago and number two that was a while ago <laughs> at the same time and people were very angry just because Billie Jean King, there's a great moment in the movie, and I'll spoil it because it is history, so you could look it up. 
where a male reporter says, women aren't better than men. And she turns around and says, I have never said that. That has never been what I've been wanting to say. What I've been saying is, we just want a chance and we just want to be treated with respect. And then she says, do you think your father is better than your mother just because he's a man? And that dude shut, he's like, no. She's like, that's all I'm trying to say. That's it. That's it. And it's also bonkers that simply saying like, I am a person of value simply because I'm a person. Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm not good enough. Makes people so angry. <laughs> you know, it's, but when you, when you threaten the balance that's been put in place for years and centuries and all these things, it scares people and they get angry. I mean, just go on to Twitter for five seconds. <laughs> I mean, Brittany had a great tweet about, uh, like I said, this is the past. So Sean White just won the gold last night. And uh, he has some, they're not allegations because he settled out of court, but he, he, he treated a band member of his who's a woman with complete disregard and disrespect. And it, was very, it reminded me a lot of my experience of skateboarding and sports in general um, when I, I grew up skateboarding. And honestly, the, that kind of stuff didn't necessarily happen to me exactly, but the kinds of conversations I was around... And yeah, you could be like, hey, that's guys are guys. But also, like, do you have to be like that all the time? You know, like, can't we just treat each other? And I felt like this Sean White moment was like a great moment where he could say, you know, I made mistakes and I, this was a bad, some bad behavior. And uh, I know kids are watching me now and don't repeat my mistakes because treat, you know, treat the people around you with the respect that they deserve. That's it. It's a very easy conversation. But uh, Brittany tweeted about that last night and essentially said, it's complicated. And people get so angry and there's people like jumping on board now. It seems like with athletes or famous people simply because they've been accused of something, which is bonkers to me. But um, I think everybody just needs to keep a very clear head and try to continue having nuanced conversations off of the internet because the internet is such a uh, concentrated um hyper i i don't i don't even know it's just everyone is trying to you can't have a nuanced conversation because there's no tone you know how like we started texting each other and people i feel like people's relationships got more strained because we assume the tone of the text it's the same thing with the internet anyway i was supposed to be talking about umpires but i'm really just talking about a bunch of things. <laughs> so I really just wanted to make a recommendation for some of the people that whose writing I really loved. And, um, you know, this, this piece on women and as umpires, I mean, there's been like th- three, there's like th- Perry Barber, um, who she's been a baseball umpire for 38 years. Um, just check it out. Give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Um, Let me know what you think about all the things I just said for however long this was. Um, uh, Yeah, that's it. Let's Let's just think about things a little differently. Is everything about the money? Is everything about... Like, question what you think is the best, I guess, is what I would say. You know, why do you think it's the best... Because we're something else I'm always talking about with baseball is I'm not bringing numbers in here all the time. I'm going to eventually, but... Uh, and and we'll get into this conversation very soon with Greg. We talked a lot about you know momentum, the idea of momentum, the vibe, like who you put up to hit. It's not always the person that looks right on paper. Some things aren't always what they seem. <laughs> so look behind the curtain of your own thoughts and just challenge yourself when you feel that sort of twinge of fear and anger that rises up when you feel caught on something. 
take a moment, step out of the box, take a couple practice swings, ask for time, tell yourself, why am I angry about this? Question that, and then perhaps you can find out why you're angry and then maybe work it through and be like, oh, that's not actually, I was just scared. (laughs) Anyway, give yourself three swings outside of the box and we'll be back with Greg Proops in a wonderful interview. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Three Swings listeners. When it comes to your health, brushing your teeth is one of the most important parts of your day. Quip knows that. They've combined dentistry and design to make a better electric toothbrush. Quip is the new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at just a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. And guiding pulses alert you when to switch sides, making brushing the right amount of effortless. Just like Francisco Lindor, an effortless switch hitter. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere, whether it's going in your gym bag or carry-on. And because the thing that cleans your mouth should also be clean, Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. Quip is backed by a network of over 10,000 dental professionals, including dentists, hygienists, and dental students. Most toothbrushes don't get named one of Time Magazine's best inventions of the year, but Quip did. Find out for yourself why. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash baseball right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash baseball, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash baseball. B-A-S-E-B-A-L-L, just in case you don't know how to spell baseball. Hey, we're doing the best we can. I heard enough of the white man's blues. I've sang enough about myself. So if you're looking for some bad news, you can find it somewhere else. Well, this is my podcast, and I have a guest. <laughs> I'm so excited about this guest. Uh, this is just episode two, and this is my... Oh, I'm so excited, number one, to have a baseball podcast, but number two, my immediate thought was to have this next guest on my podcast because you can't think of baseball and comedy without thinking of this gentleman and i've been a fan of his for so long um not just in comedy but in baseball mr greg proops thank you so much for being on the show what an absolute pleasure Mr. <laughs> <Ray> Butcher. <laughs> we had such an awesome time talking baseball at this show that we did recently at ucb that i was just like 
this is just the conversation we need to have. Just, yeah. just literally, no, no, uh, no points to hit, but just talking baseball, love of baseball, because you are just a. Uh, Probably the biggest baseball fan in, in comedy, would you say? Oh, I don't know. I think there's guys who know a lot more than I do. I don't who know about that. Stay up on the current game more. Sure. Uh, but uh, I am a big fan. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of years have been rough because the Giants have, well. Well, yeah. Yeah. The last year and a half has been a, a little bit of a, a down elevator for us. <laughs> sure. How do you feel about those new pickups like McCutcheon and Longoria? I think it uh, reminds me of the 2000 uh, team where mm-hmm. we kept picking up 38-something-year-olds. <laughs> sure. And I mean... This is the team that got Omar Vizquel when he was 39. Of course, And yeah. he had three great years for us at 39, 40, and 41. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I'm not a big believer in that. I'm a believer in the farm system. And yeah. uh, I think uh, when you look at the Giants who brought up Buster Posey, Tim Linscombe, uh, Madison Bumgarner, uh, Crawford, and all these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Posey, I guess we traded for. He was on another team. But uh, he was in our minor leagues. Um, it feels like it. It yeah. feels like he was part of the farm system. We had a lot of homegrown guys. And yeah. Kane was too and i feel like uh that's the way to go and i'm i'm a uh, you know branch ricky for all his faults always said trade people one year before they're to be traded don't wait oh, yeah i feel like getting a bunch of 31 year olds is a good idea i think evan lagoria is a great player and um mccutcheon mm-hmm. is obviously tremendous i, I wonder if, if <laughs> sure. they've seen their best years yeah. and now we're down to the 18 home run 75 rbi level from both of them instead of the gaudy 35 home run 95 rbi level which is what you need Absolutely. from third base uh which we haven't had from third base uh in a good long time so that's my assessment of the Giants. <laughs> that sounds uh, I think like a Do- pretty accurate assessment. The Dodgers have a superb team. And I, what surprised me about the last dance was that uh, I thought Roberts would be a better strategic manager. We think we, we touched Absolutely on this in correct. a previous conversation. Then, <laughs> yeah. uh, then, um, then, then, then Donnie Baseball. Just Donnie Baseball was like a, maybe one of the great first basemen, but he really wasn't a big baseball mind, in my opinion. I saw I him make too totally many mistakes. Agree. Absolutely, yeah. Look at the times they went to the playoffs with, mm-hmm. and Donnie Baseball left uh, Kershaw in there to get drubbed by the, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to have that spark that Bochi has, or that um, uh, I don't know, Tory or or, or Larusa, or who, who the great, not Bobby Cox, sorry, uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Tito. That was for uh, Tito. Tito's got it. I mean, he the, made some mistakes, especially yeah. last season. He yeah. made some mistakes, but at least he goes through that big gum wad. In a game, mm. he thinks about it, he takes it in, and he expresses it a little bit. I think I Tito's like. got it more than uh, uh, Joe Madden. You know, like, I, I love Greg, Joe Madden. I love you. If I wasn't already married, I would marry you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. If we weren't both gay and married, <laughs> exactly. we could marry Precisely. each other. No, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I uh, last season was very weird to me that Tito would take the 22-win streak game uh, team and then just go, yeah, I'll put Urshela back in there. Yeah. Like, why would you break that yeah. thing when you have it going? What, what are you doing? This is the whole point. Yeah. Late season streak and that you just take it right in. Like, you just keep going with it. Anyways. People yeah. always talk about momentum in baseball and yes, does it do. exist and stuff. But you've been to enough ball games to know that it does exist. Exactly. I feel like if you're talking about it, it exists. <laughs> well, uh, certainly the opposite exists. So I don't understand why you yeah. wouldn't believe that. Precisely. If you, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, golly, Boswell or one of the 
baseball writer said it, 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 the spooky music that plays under baseball is that mm-hmm. uh, you lose three games then you lose four games then you lose five games now you've lost every game that week and now the team's looking at each other when they walk out they're like are we going to lose today they're not thinking we can win this one <laughs> right they're thinking yeah. we can not we another one. 10 9 12 11 <laughs> yeah. in a row and uh so why not if you win 22 yes don't change it. Don't touch right. it. It's a golden turkey yeah. until proven otherwise. Of course. And if, if someone gets lit up or, or or someone fails 15 times in a row, then fine. Absolutely. You've got to give a batter a chance to fail for three days. Absolutely. And you put him in at third base and you throw over Santana's head three times, I think, in the first four innings of... Uh, Remove. <laughs> just, you're done. But you're rem- done. <laughs> you got to do that. Yeah. When it's critical, <laughs> you got to make moves immediately. In the long season, you can goof around and totally. fuck about but in the in the short sets under no circumstances none you well, can't like take Darvish any chance in the last game oh i mean yes honey bear in first inning first inning <laughs> go yeah, goodbye yeah, yeah. you're out let's move on i agreed with not <laughs> let's bring starting, rich hill in. <laughs> yeah right i agreed with not starting kershaw because i went with the bochi plan from uh, 2014 we were down to game seven i had a real strong feeling we would win uh, game seven because we lost 10 nil in game six mm-hmm. and when a team blows out the lights like that mm-hmm. uh, i bl- i was with bochi by the end of that game there was no starters on the field he had like two starters left yeah he, he just turned everybody out and was like tomorrow 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 mm-hmm. and you know let him hit let them hit themselves out tonight, oh, baby. Yeah. Let them all get a home run tonight, and then they'll all be overconfident. Mm-hmm. So the next day I said, I predicted the score before 3 or 3-2, three, and it was 3-2. Yep. Low scoring, mm-hmm. because nobody follows a 10-0 game with a 15-11. to 11. <laughs> right. It just doesn't happen <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, World Series. Yeah, it doesn't series. happen. It's not, it's not going to I mean, same thing in 2016, right? Because the Cubs blew out Cleveland yeah. when they came back, which nobody talks about the fact that Cleveland's plane was four hours late. Yeah. One, Heading back into Cleveland. Nobody talks about four that. Four hours late, which is a big deal. <laughs> it's Nobody a big got deal. any sleep. You don't get any sleep. No. If anybody remembers what it's like to not sleep and then just go to work mm. on top of playing in the World Series, it kind of affects you, I think. And just you're jacked. You know, oh, yeah. You're jacked Absolutely. because you know, this is must win and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought Madden did everything he could to lose that last game and that oh, yeah. the Cubs themselves won that game. A hundred percent. I mean, that was one of the gnarliest games I've ever seen. That and they had uh, Cleveland's curse going for them. You know, <laughs> going back into the dugout <laughs> they and did. the plastic going back up was 1997 all over again. <sighs> who was the cat who hit the homer and the that tied Rajai the game? Davis. Yeah, and he had beat them two days before mm-hmm. uh, and had a huge game, mm-hmm. and they let that guy come up and do it again. <laughs> right. And you're like, why are you pitching to him? Yeah, I this I don't understand. If I'm Joe Madden, and Joe Madden's a bright guy, man. Yeah. Like he did, he's done. Mir- he did a miracle with Tampa Bay. Like, oh, yeah, that absolutely. was, you know, wow. And the Cubs, not so much a miracle. I got to meet him and talk to him. I'm friends with Joel Murray. I'm in a comedy group with Joel Murray. And Joel Murray is the mayor of Chicago, right? Like, absolutely. Because his brother's Bill and because his family's so huge and he was at Second City and da, da, da. So we were staying at this crib and Joe Madden was living there during the season because he lives in Florida or whatever. And I don't want to go into his politics. But the, the, <laughs> so he's having coffee. And I go, Joel, there's Joe Madden. And Joel goes, because Joel talks like this. Yeah, he lives here, man. Um, <laughs> do you want to go meet him? I'm like, yeah, I want to go meet him. <laughs> so fantastically, he's got all this stuff out. This was right before they clinched against New York. And um, he closes it. Like, we're going to yeah. look at his right. game plan and shit <laughs> and his lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, t- he goes, th- he said about his team, the Cubs that won the dance, uh, this is the best goddamn team I've ever managed. He goes, I can't believe these fucking guys. So-and-so has been hurt for three days. He wants to play. Yeah. So-and-so is d- dead tired. I know he is. And he's coming into my 
office telling me he wants to play. And he goes, I'm playing nobody against the Mets today. I don't give a shit because we're going to, we're clinching. Yeah. And then I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And I thought, I love you for saying that. And uh, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but he also said he hated St. Louis, that he hated the fans, <laughs> oh, that he shit. hated the park, that he hated yeah. the team. Yeah. <laughs> and he told us this and he was like, don't tell anyone you guys. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like look, we all do. Yeah, you know? of course. We're yeah. National League fans. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. A, two teams you hate. And, of um, so, but then when he got to the series, like what the hell happened? The last game he was, he put, he took out, what's his name? Lackey. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, or brought in, Lackey, brought in Lester. Oh, uh, brought in Lester. Who can't throw to first? <laughs> right. Of course. Who Which he did last first. season. Yeah. In 2017, he start, <clears throat> started doing it because uh, what's his name? Contreras started yelling at him. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you think on a team of red asses like that, which they are, uh, <laughs> that uh, how can you have a pitcher take some practice, baby? Yeah. Take some time out. It's it's the it's the game. <laughs> Don't have, don't have weird a mental me. block against, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I understand not wanting to throw it a second to throw it into center field. Yeah, There's a backstop behind you, 30 yeah, feet. Like, yeah. they'll, they'll get to set. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, throw the ball. Otherwise, yeah. they have, like, this tremendous advantage mentally over you. It's Absolutely. Weird. It's, he, weird. it's oh, weird. It's weird. It's weird to just, me. So, he's, I mean, like, the only, the essentially the only, like, power in their rotation now because they just picked up you, Darvish. Yeah. What was that yesterday? What do you think of that pickup? Well, I mean, I don't think he's going to be toast after last year. I just mm-hmm. didn't think he was an awesome choice. I would have pulled him earlier is all I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. And go right to, but you have to pull him before the building caught fire and they didn't. <laughs> yeah, not at all. The building was already burned to the ground. They was, were putting uh, all their paperwork into the four, building. Four nil, light five nil by the second yeah, inning. Yeah, it was ridiculous. You can't win it. No, you can't win like no. that. One run. Okay. One run. One run. One run. One I'll, run. I'll grant you, I'll spot you one, even two. But <laughs> yeah. I'm not spotting you. No, I don't need four to yeah. is uh-huh, just a mental. Uh-huh. It, that game was like watching Rich Hill's perfect game in Pittsburgh again. No. It was just the same thing where Dodgers would get, how many did they leave on base? Yeah. 14? Yeah. Something like that? Like, it's insane. That's ridiculous. It is. And you, you can't you can't count on that your team's going to come roaring back and score six runs. <laughs> no. That's Even though they've done it throughout the season, but they were doing it against two. You know, like it was yeah. not against the Astros with the most astronomical offense in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also wild about the 2016 World Series, all the strange coincidences of trades of like Corey Kluber coming from San right. Diego. And, and it was just such a weird and having the two longest droughts in baseball playing each other. Yeah, that was astounding. I mean, yes, of course, Cleveland lost. We always lose. Well, I was looking up the 54 World Series today. I'm sorry Cleveland lost that one too, but they did win the 48 World Series. <laughs> yeah, they did. The Boston Braves of all teams. That yeah. was your team then. And uh, the, the, in the 54 dance, my favorite story is, of course, that Cleveland was heavily favored because they had all the pitching and all the hitting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Giants had some pitching and a mad relief. They had uh, Hoyt Wilhelm and Grissom and Little. They had a giant bullpen for some reason. DeRocher was from the school of... Uh, McGraw kind of um, and and in the 40s and 50s always had relievers uh, which wasn't common mm-hmm. to have a have a guy come in 40 50 times a year <laughs> right, yeah. and Wilhelm threw nothing but like uh, breaking balls and knuckleballs and stuff mm-hmm. he didn't have a, I don't know that he threw a fastball I saw him pitch when I was little I'm not kidding he was pitching in the 50 World series I saw him pitch when I was little because he pitched till he was like 46 years old holy shit because he only threw soft you know yeah, oh yeah uh, he was on the I think the Braves baby at that point yeah. uh, like 69 70 wow and um 
So we'll, in the first game, the famous, the most famous part of the 54 World Series, maybe the most famous thing in baseball, is uh, two men on. Uh, so uh, Dobie and Rosen are on. Uh, Vic Wirtz, who's a big power hitter, plays first for Cleveland, hits a giant drive to center, right center. Willie Mays chases it down, turns his back on the ball, hits his... Well, you always knew Mays was going to catch because he would hit his glove with mm-hmm. his right hand. Mm-hmm. Which, according to Mays, in spring training sometimes, or even in game situations, sometimes he'd run after a ball and wouldn't hit the glove. And all the runners would go. <laughs> yeah. Because they knew that he wasn't going to get it and yeah. then he'd catch it anyway. Yeah. Like, he was that smart. Wow. Mays would also strike out in the first inning on a pitch and then let, let that happen again and then wait for that pitch coming up later in the game and then tee off on it mm-hmm. because the pitcher thought I'd solved you. <laughs> yeah. He was that genius of a ball player. Yeah. Um, so he catches the ball, falls on the ground, giant throw. Uh, Rosen goes to third. Nobody scores on the play. So they had taken out Magley, uh, who'd started the game, and they put in Little. And that was Little's only batter was Vic Wirtz, right? Little came in, <laughs> threw a couple pitches. Wirtz tagged it as hard as you could possibly yeah. tag the ball. Mays made the most spectacular play in the history of the World Series. <laughs> threw the ball back into the infield, two out. So they pull Little and they put in Grissom. And as Grissom comes to the mound, Little hands him the ball and goes, I got my guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Baseball. Yeah, right. I mean, I love it. So, Greg, I want to ask you this question to go back, like, backwards. What got you into baseball to begin with? My father, uh, who I disagreed with on just about everything in my life. <laughs> uh, and, uh, is, uh, yeah, anyway, he started taking me to games when I was little. And I think part of it was his dad never took him to games. And he, I think he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. He grew up in Brooklyn in the um, uh, 30s. And 40s. And I think he went to maybe two games ever. For, strangely, he was a Giants fan and never a Dodgers fan. We were not Dodger fans. We lived in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think my first game was 67, 68. I remember listening to them before that. So he was a Giants fan before they moved? Yeah. And he imp- I, he, he went with the export of, yeah. the, of the rivalry? That's fascinating. Right. And then when yeah. we, we moved to like Mountain View and he... Uh, yeah, I remember listening to uh, uh, the ball game on the radio there. Then he started taking me to the game when I was old enough. And uh, he took me to zillions of games. Mm-hmm. And so he was a pretty knowledgeable fan. Mm-hmm. And um, this was the era of, I'm not kidding, Russ Hodges was still the announcer for the Giants from <laughs> 1951. And uh, that's who I learned to do the, you know, two on, two out, uh, yeah. you know. And at the end of the third, <laughs> right. it's Dodgers two, <laughs> Giants nothing. Uh, and... Uh, then I went to the game, and the first game I went to, uh, I remember seeing Mays and McCovey on the field. Because my dad would go early, so we always saw batting practice. Mm-hmm. And then he left in the seventh. For some reason, oh, well, Candlestick Park in those days, there was no way to get in and out. You literally drove through Hunter's Point, which was the hood. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he was always wanted to leave early. So I don't know that I ever saw the end of a game till I was old enough to go with other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, I'm staying for this To the game. ninth, yeah. There, there was one time, I when I was growing up, I went to... Two major league baseball games, uh, and I went to like one or two minor league games because they moved the minor league team to Akron, right. built this whole new thing. Are you so, from Akron? I am from Akron, yeah. yeah. So we had the uh, Canton-Akron team that was the same name as Cleveland. Then when it moved up to Akron, they changed it to Arrows. A-E? Not, not, yeah, A-E, A-E-R-O. Yeah. Based off of, because we went from rubber manufacturing to aeronautical research <laughs> <laughs> because the polymer science was for NASA and stuff like that. But interesting, everything in a lot of things in Akron are dedicated to Judith A. Resnick, who was on the Challenger explosion. Yeah. And uh, from Akron. And so they dedicated part of the Canal Park Stadium to her. 
and created a mascot for this new team, which was a like a bobcat, and his name was Kaboom. Not Arrow? And that no, not at all. But um, his name was Kaboom. Kaboom. In this like Judith A. Resnick thing. And they went, Oh um, whoopsie doozle. What about taste? <laughs> Right, yeah, exactly. Tone deaf? No, not at all. Not like, the we, exploder? Or... People like to say uh, they have a wooden ear in yeah. northeastern Ohio <laughs> for these kinds of things. Might be why we still have the name that we have for yeah. that team. The Indians. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so I went to two games. One was at Old Municipal Stadium, and I have not a lot of recolle- recollection of it. I like won tickets to go see uh, Corey Snyder, my favorite dude. And then the Corey other Snyder, game was in 19... 19- arm. Oh, yeah. In uh, 1995, a game against the Tigers. And my dad would always want to leave stuff early because yeah. he just... He'd think about the traffic and get angry. And yeah. I was... So, 95, I was 13. Right. And I was like, no. Because yeah. <laughs> that was the season that they would win in the ninth. Like, yeah. 20 or 30 games yeah. they won in the bottom of the ninth. And Sandy Alomar just cranked a home run. Dead I was going to say one of the Alomars, just, right? Oh, yeah. Just a beautiful line drive home run right to John Adams in the playing the drum. <laughs> the 95 team uh, next to the 2016 team might be my favorite Cleveland team because you had uh, A-Bell mm-hmm. and you had... Um, Joey Bell. Uh, uh, who played second? It wasn't... Carlos Baerga. Yeah, Baerga, who mm-hmm. everybody forgets about, but was a everybody dandy forgets, second he baseman. He was so good. And Cleveland loved him, too. I have a signed Carlos Baerga cart. Wow. And Man Ram, because mm-hmm. he got rid of Bayerga eventually. Oh, they did, like, right after that season. Yeah. Because I was just I watching the, the, the dynasty that never was. And he did come back right. later on. And, uh, yeah, Robbie played second, eventually. And Viscalit Short. And Viscalit Short. And uh, Tommy at third, before he, he wasn't even DHing yet. Paul yeah. Sorrento at first. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Sorrento. Take me back. Oh, yeah. And Man Ram. El Presidente. Yeah. And uh, Oral Hershiser. An oral, yeah, we, yeah, we talked. That's what we were talking about the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, he won the one game for us, yep. in the second mm-hmm. game, and they pulled him out yep. again. That's and we discussed if you've lost your release point, don't tell everybody. <laughs> right, yeah. Throw a couple pitches True. and see how it goes. Yeah, exactly. D- don't freak out and go like I'm a Test really disciplined guy. I lost it. <laughs> what? You yeah. were the best pitcher in, in 1988. There was no hitting him. Oh, you know? yeah, oh yeah, no hitting he, him. Wasn't he the MVP all through the yeah. entire playoffs he, he, of each series? He drubbed the Mets. He drubbed the uh, uh, um uh. Uh, the A's and then uh, uh, came back in relief and won another game mm-hmm. I think or yeah. saved another game yeah I mean he was so young you know oh, yeah. it was crazy yeah and then so what seven years later you're still awesome you're not a 20 game winner but sure. you're double digits yeah and great control uh, you've lost your release point oh well <laughs> I guess it you know he had pride or something. I don't yeah. think he wanted to throw it over the guy's head and embarrass himself on TV or yeah, something. Yeah, probably not. But then there's Chuck Noblock when he played in the series and he oh threw God, the ball yeah. over the first baseman's head, you know? And <laughs> yeah. Steve Sox, everybody did it. Yeah, everybody did it. It's just a thing that happens. I know. I don't know. They get so angry. Right? They get so angry. You just got to walk it off a little bit. Yeah, you do. I, I wish they, they need to take some, some lessons from me when I go play baseball and how angry I get <laughs> and I just have to close my mouth and just keep playing. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but you know, I'm playing in a in a playground. Basically, you know, it's the same Major League Baseball and me playing on Sundays. You understand? Well, they're one and the same, really. I mean, they really identical. are the same. Same game. Vin Scully said the only player that he thought was better angry was Jackie. Mm. He said he he most guys when they're angry they lose a little something. Oh yeah, they're not focused. And he went Jackie was always angry, mm-hmm. and he fucking you know. Oh yeah. When he got madder, then he got more focused on you and what he was going <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. He used to dance off third. And then he sometimes, and this is, and I never seen film of it, but uh, uh, read about it. He would walk off third Mm -hmm. and he would walk 10 feet off third and the pitcher would panic a little. Like, what are you doing? You're not even crouched. Throw back to third 
and he'd get back in. And then he'd walk 15 feet off third. And then mm -hmm. he'd walk 20 feet off third. Walk in mm -hmm. a stand-up position like oh, this, yeah. looking at you. And go on, go on. <laughs> what are you going to do? Because yep. if you throw to third when someone's a third of the way down the line, they're going to break for the plate. Yeah, and yeah. then we've got to make a play here. <laughs> yeah. And it's not an easy play. Yeah, no, not Throwing at all. Throwing from third to home with a runner in the middle who's six feet tall yep. charging uh, and is uh, a, what, a fullback from UCLA mm -hmm. is a, just pressing. Yeah. So he scared the shit out of white pitchers. They'd never seen guys steal like that. There hadn't been any great white, George Case, couple... Not in the bigs for a while, not since the 20s, mm -hmm. maybe even the teens. I mean, the, the, by the time Babe Ruth got in and everybody started powdering the ball, stealing kind of went away. Mm -hmm. So what do you think this season is going to look like? This season? Yeah, this season. I think everybody's coming back who's coming back. I mm -hmm. mean, I think uh, everybody wants New York. Did, what, did Verlander go to New York? Houston. Houston. He's still with Houston. So Giancarlo went to New York. Yeah, Giancarlo. So they've got York. those baby bombers or whatever they judge and uh, Gary. Uh, what is his last name? Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Uh, behind the plate. I don't. I think um, Cleveland comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see about Chicago. Um, I think if LA doesn't come back, something's gravely wrong. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, although. You know, I'm not a big fan of firing the manager always right after the World Series. I don't sure. think that's that glamorous. I didn't think Dave Roberts shot the lights out in the World Series. I <laughs> thought he could have played a... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think that one game in Houston, I think... Which which game was that? Five? A.J. Hinch didn't have to make a single decision. Yeah. <laughs> when the strike zone was gigantic yeah. and not benefiting him, but he just let Dave just manage the game away. Yeah, pretty it much. Was, it was bonkers. Bonkers, was bonkers to see. People are like, oh, that's how he always plays. I'm like, okay, well, you're not supposed to do that in the World Series. You're no. supposed to adjust a little bit. Make some decisions. Make some decisions. Also, take some the, people out. When there's no, when you don't have a week, when it's today, I have to win today. Yeah. I think all everything goes out the window. Absolutely. I'm putting in guys that I think are hot. I'm putting in a dude that I think, uh, you know, wants it bad. And I don't know. I've just seen too many weird players come up with huge uh, that have been substituted in or yeah, oh yeah. or they pull a pitcher and another guy just puts everybody down and yeah. stuff. And you think the whole, this is well, we did it all year is a shitty excuse. It's a super shitty excuse. I mean, they, he, he put Ken Giles is out. Yeah. AJ Hinch was like, you're not closing. Right. And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah, to yeah. make those big decisions and yeah. tell your dudes like, oh, you're not doing here. it. Yeah, but you're yeah. here now. You're here now <laughs> and you're not winning. So yeah. you got to win the game. Yeah. I, my first step as Dave Roberts going back in history would be to make sure Adrian Gonzalez doesn't come 300 feet within any playing field. <laughs> oh, <laughs> World Series. I like that guy. Yeah, I have like too. no nothing against Adrian Gonzalez. I think he's like a just a classy ball player. He, yeah. he, he plays the game. Well, I mean, he dove for a little pop like infield popper uh, when Rich Hill was throwing that perfect game because he knew it was a perfect... He, yeah. he could see what was happening because he's a veteran of the game. But that was when they started that slide. As soon as Adrian Gonzalez came back to the clubhouse, yeah. boom, because they lost their vibe. And then he wasn't going to come back for the World Series. Yeah. Then he shows up in Houston, boom, go goes away. He was a bit of an albatross. He was. And you wouldn't think so when, you, you know, on paper he's, uh, you know, oh my God, he's going to hit a crash. He's yeah. going to hit a two-run crash and save it for us. Yeah. But that doesn't always, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I was going to games early in the season last year and they have those little, you know, interstitial stuff when they're flipping over innings. And they do like little games or whatever. And they had a throwback picture of Adrian Gonzalez. They're like, who yeah. is that? You know, which guy is this? And then it, 
shows Adrian Gonzalez. He's like, oh, that's me back when I used to be able to hit. And yeah. that's what he's saying <laughs> in <laughs> for the, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can't, you got to go. You got to yeah, go away. No, and that's what no. you're making for the in-stadium yeah. games. You're saying, I can't hit the ball. No. <laughs> like, just not a good sign. No, it's not. And everybody on fire, too, in the lineup. And oh. you're the one who's cold. Yeah. And then you're the big ice freezer that stops everything i'll give you an example in 97 the giants were 10 games back on the dodgers by the way we didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. the marlins beat us in three uh, uh marlins and the, yeah that was that year we almost played you guys i oh god and um we had a kind of a dandy little team in 97 Greg, did i tell you that i've i blacked out from sports for a, a good like until 2003 till lebron james yeah came on the scene from that game and i didn't realize it until i watched Believeland and was like yeah oh i couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I missed. I missed five years. <laughs> Look, after the 2002 World Series, yeah, I had to talk down all of my middle aged friends from the wall. I mean, right. people called yeah. me crying, yeah, because we had it all wrapped up. Oh yeah, and we did not deliver, and it was so giant, and we all thought, no, this is the year. We yep, we this, gonna, is this is the year. This we, is it. We're magic. And, yeah. Uh. Uh-uh, we got beat, and by the Angels, who'd never gone. Right. And uh, I didn't really like anything for a long time. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. We went to the playoffs another couple Definitely times. Definitely didn't eat salmon it. for a long time, I'm sure. Oh, no. The Freddie Lewis years <laughs> and the... Uh, oh, no. I didn't eat salmon. And and I, and I couldn't look at a monkey. Um, the, yeah, we had... We had uh, the mid the mid aughts for us, and then by the way, Bonds played till I think two thousand and eight. Oh yeah, he carried on playing, uh, and I checked out completely. I was just like, I hate this so this much. I this has just destroyed my soul. <laughs> yeah. get, so when two thousand ten came, that was like because that was unexpected. Oh yeah, we weren't even that groovy. Mm-hmm. Uh, ragtag. I think Posey joined the team in May. <laughs> uh, we we started the year with. Uh, Another catcher who's, of course, now I'm going to really be in trouble because I can't remember his name. And sure. he went on. We played against them. He went to Texas. Um, we gave him a, a share of our team because he was on our team. But uh, uh, And we had been batting that catcher third. I swear to Christ. We <laughs> broke that guy's fucking back. And then we got rid of him. But we had Posey. Yeah. Uh, and really traded for a bunch of dudes who... Uh, Cody Ross mm-hmm. and guys who were like big, total scrap heap. Uh, Mike Fontenot, <laughs> right. uh, and and but we had a load of pitching, and uh, we didn't have Dusty, and that was the big difference, right? Because Poach is just genius, Poor Dusty man. I know, man, and he, he's he, a good manager. He, he really is. is. He's one. Of, he's a transformational manager, yeah, but he is. just can't. He doesn't have the nitrous in the tank Not for the last couple once. steps. Not once, and all the and they had a chance to beat us. When he managed Cincy, and we beat them. Yeah. And we, he had us on the ropes. All they had to win was one more game. Dusty. And we came back and won two. Or th- yeah. And like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. This is your team, too. I, I, well, not that he knew anybody, but I, I just think he is that kind of guy, too, who makes those crap decisions in that postseason. And Boach seems to have the Hall of Fame extrasensory perception of Casey Stengel to go, this guy's coming out now and I'm going to put Cody Ross in and he's mm-hmm. going to hit two home runs. It's going to happen. Ha- what? Yeah, Who, right. He's the shits. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't keep him, you know. And right. uh, Aubrey Huff uh, played first base for us that year and he'd played for Tampa for what, 14 years or something? And ba- No, Baltimore. And um, Pat the Bat was on our team that year and he had played for Tampa and Philly. And yeah. so he'd been to the dance. And... Uh, Aubrey Huff said um, at the end of our season, we beat the Mets or somebody. And he went, man, that game was awesome. It was like a playoff game. And Pat leaned over during the interview and went, how would you know? (laughs) 
You've been with Baltimore for yeah. 14 years. Right. You haven't been to a playoff game other than to watch one on TV. <laughs> uh, and everybody came up big. Aubrey Huff, uh, we were talking about situational things like not throwing to first. Mm-hmm. Um, Aubrey Huff bunted in that World Series. And I don't think he'd bunted in his career. And he wasn't a good bunter, but yeah. he wasn't afraid of it. And he put one down. Yeah. And that's all it required was a sack. And he did it. And yeah. that's, that's called playing baseball. Absolutely. Like people always made fun of Panda Bear because he's so fat and mm-hmm. blows bubbles when he plays and stuff. But Panda Bear can ball. He didn't in 2010. He sucked so <laughs> sure. bad that yeah. he actually was written out of the World Series team. Against Philly, he choked so hard and he fell down, if you recall, at oh, one yeah. point on the pitch. He <laughs> fell down and couldn't get back up. Uh, that they sat him and he didn't get to play in that World Series. And you think, oh my, because yeah. the other two World Series, he's like Babe Ruth. Um, and they ended up putting a, a um, uh, okay, now I'm just running out of gas because my blood sugar's low. They ended up changing the whole infield round because of it. And that's how we won. Um, uh, 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 the one who beat you guys uh, mm-hmm. from the uh, Florida. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Martinez, Edgar... Uh, Edgar Martinez. Yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. Catcher? No, no. No, the, no he played sh- uh, shortstop for us. Game okay. 5, 2010 World Series. Edgar Renteria? Edgar uh, Renteria. All right. We're picking it up from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And who played third uh, on that last team? He went to the Dodgers. I should have known. Renteria. Gr- yeah. It was Renteria who, who <laughs> destroyed you. Uh, Uribe. Jose Uribe. So yeah. Panda played so badly that they pulled him from third and they moved Uribe to third mm-hmm. and Renneria to short. And Renneria had been on the team for like three or four years and was a gaudy big, one of our giant 35-year-old buys. <laughs> course, yeah. We'd given him a zillion dollars and he'd choked the chickie for like three years. He was kind of the Alex Smith of the Giants <laughs> yeah. and was not beloved on the team. People were really ready to trade him. Couldn't believe he was still on the roster because we hadn't used him. We'd had Uribe at short yeah. and, and Panda Bear at third. And Panda Bear was lighting it up. Then they put Renneria back in and he had a bloody crash in game five, which yeah. of course he had hit the, got the hit in game seven before. Yep. So he was a World Series star. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was Bochi. The yeah. genius of putting Renneria back in and knowing he wasn't going to choke. And I'll give you an example of a reverse of that. In 97, we were in the play, we were 10 games back, uh, 10 games left in the season. We were two games back and uh, we ended up winning the division. Um, we were playing a set against the Dodgers, and I was there. This was a candlestick. And um, in those days, we had um, uh, Dusty was managing. We had a catcher named Brian Johnson. And uh, I can't remember who was starting, who got pulled. The Dodgers got the bases drunk in like the seventh. And we had a guy named Rod Beck, right? Mm-hmm. And Rod Beck was a great player. He, he looked like he delivered a uh, Coors. <laughs> sure. He had a mustache that was droopy. Yeah. When he went to the Cubs and then the minors, he, in, he had a trailer that he parked outside the minor league park and he drank beer. The gig was you could come and drink beer with Rodney Beck, uh, but you had to talk baseball. <laughs> I saw him pitch with the Cubs too. Yeah. And his, his, his right arm would hang down and he'd swing it like yeah. this. And, uh, a day, two days before against Atlanta, he'd given up a tater to fucking blow the game right. He yeah. got lit up. And uh, we also had someone else, uh, Roberto Hernandez, I think, who he had just traded for, was heated up and ready to go. And so base is drunk, and uh, the Dodgers haven't put a batter up yet. Well, it's supposed to be whoever it is in the lineup, but surely he's not going to bat. Mm-hmm. And um, D- Baker went out to the mound, and Beck is wheezing. And had nothing left, really. He was a fastball pitcher, yeah, but yeah. he was kind of throwing on, you know, grit at that point. <laughs> sure. And uh, Baker left him in. And he came back to the dugout. 
And Bill Russell, who's a very nice man and now works with the umpires in the Major mm-hmm. League Baseball and was a very good shortstop, uh, and I have two more Bill Russell stories after this, <laughs> yes. um, was managing the Dodgers at that time, and Eddie Murray was on the team. Well, Eddie Murray was 37 years old. Eddie Murray. Had 525 homers or however many he yeah. had at that point. Switch hitter, so anybody, I can bid him against anybody. He's good from both sides. I'm going to run him up there. And whoever they had coming up was, I think, a middle infielder. And that's who I want in that position. I don't want Eddie Murray with mm-hmm. two down in the bases drunk. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I want Edgar Renneria in game five. I want Edgar Renneria in game seven. As you recall, against you guys, he hit yeah. a ball into right field in between first and second. That's Absolutely. all he did. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. Yep. A middle infielder. A ground ball with eyes. Exactly. I want to hit 27 <laughs> hop fucking yep. single through the infield. Yep. A, a flare that just dies over the first baseman's head. Absolutely. I don't need anyone crashing the ball because if you hit the ball hard, that's an out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's going to go at someone. And fly balls are fucking horrible. With They're two terrible. outs, it's off. It's, it's off. the worst feeling. On the ground and hard. Put it on the ground, make them play the Even game. soft. Yeah, a, oh, yeah, a soft yeah. one back to the pitcher might yeah. fuck him up. Absolutely. So... They pulled whoever that was, and I can't remember it. Forgive my memory. This is 21 years ago. And uh, and they put up Eddie Murray, and he hit a fucking comebacker. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Brian Johnson came up in the 10th for us. He was a catcher on our team, hit a home run. And we won the next seven games, and the Dodgers lost the next seven games. Yeah. And we won the division that year. And I thought, well, that was that. Russell needed an infield hit mm-hmm. to score a run and win that game. Yeah. And he went with, I'm going to put up a Hall of Fame slugger. <laughs> Because I got him. I yeah, got a Hall right. of Fame slugger. Exactly. But it's not Eddie Murray from 1990. No. And it's not Eddie Murray from 1983. No, it's Eddie Murray right now. Yeah. I mean, it just, it reminds it's, me of chess. I'm Alberto not. Gonzalez I, from, yes, I'm not like a, a big chess player or anything, but there's there's nothing in the rules of chess that say a pawn cannot take out a king. Yeah, I don't know. If it's in the right position, it'll do it. Yeah. And sometimes when you're that small, you hit better because you're like, I got, I got to do this, as opposed to Eddie Murray, who's like, meh. Well, I mean, he did, I, he, I, you know, yeah, he tried. He swung but, hard on a pitch, yeah. and he boom right boom, back right to back. someone. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that. And I thought, you're 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 thinking he's going to hit a double off the wall, mm-hmm. and he would have in 1983. Yep, he would have in 1987 or 89, <laughs> yeah. but he wasn't going to that day. Maybe even 1996. He's been sitting all day, <laughs> yeah. man. He's 37. Right. Yeah. He's been sitting in candlestick. Yeah, all afternoon. All afternoon. He wasn't warm. He didn't yeah. start that day. Did he even take BP? You right. Don't know. No. And I, you know, having said that, I was at a game with my wife years before that when he played with the Dodgers and he came up in the first and hit a home run left-handed and then he came up in the third and hit a home run right-handed yeah. and hardly anyone's ever done that in a yeah. game and I, and my wife's like is it always like this I'm like he's quite good because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at that point we were on the ropes you know yeah. like it was four innings in and like okay all right, all right. Eddie Murray's just gonna beat us up today and that's that <laughs> yeah. you know but it is such I mean you were talking about momentum like it's Completely predictable and unpredictable at the same time. It can I think stop that's what I love moment, about the game. Right? It can stop. You can be winning three games in a row. And mm-hmm. well, I think of the, was it the 96 Braves? They were playing that awesome Yankees team mm-hmm. and they won the first two games. And Andrew Jones went bananas. Mm-hmm. And then the Yankees came back and just slaughtered them. Oh, yeah. And that was that. That was it. They didn't even show up again. Yeah. And it was really wild because they were fucking rolling yeah. the Yankees over. You win one more game and there's no way the Yankees win it. Right. They can't. Yeah. I mean, and talk about 2016 or basketball, like the whole 3-1 coming back from a 3-1 yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, 
That's just bonkers. Or even horribly, and I hate to bring this up because I hate That's to bring right. up Boston in any way. <laughs> Boston in 2004. Yeah. When they really did pull yeah. it right oh, yeah. out. But then when they got to the dance, they just stomped oh, of St. Course. Louis. They yeah. didn't look back. They didn't have any. They yeah. Had nothing but momentum at that <laughs> Absolutely, point. Absolutely, yeah. And they were able to put out a, like a brilliant starter every day. Mm-hmm. Martinez showing who were their four stars. That was like crazy. Did they have Papelbon at that time? Yeah, and, uh, and the other guy, the big, tall, brown, brown-haired right-hander, his name escapes me, he pitched for a bunch of teams. Mm-hmm. And he was like a 17-game winner. Yeah. But every day they were running someone out there who was mm-hmm. like real fucking hard to hit. And, you know, St. Louis is a slugging team. Yeah. But then we go back to just pitching, beat, hitting. and Yeah. Situational hitting. Well. If you can't do it, when you're not going to win a game. When Madison Bumgarner had a runner on third mm-hmm. and because of an error and two down, and I can't remember who was up for Kansas City, you'll forgive me, in the 2014 dance, um, he threw one and the guy powdered it foul mm-hmm. because he was ready to tee off and he's, he's early on yeah. the pitch and i was parked in a parking space in hawaii with my <laughs> wife we were watching the game in the room and she went yeah. i'm starving i have to eat so yeah. we left the hotel and it got to the ninth and i parked at a vista we were looking at like lanai or something listening to it on the radio yeah and um i said the next pitch is a high fastball to pop up and then they go bumgarner delivers popped up Sandoval's under it. Yeah. And then you know it's because that pitch was right over here. Oh, yeah. And he teed off hard on it. And Mm -hmm. he thought, I'm waiting for the next one. Yeah. And the next one came and it was letter high. Mm -hmm. And you just don't hit a home run on that pitch. Yeah, no, you don't. Not unless it's the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) A letter high fastball from Bumgarner and you're a right-handed batter. Boom, it went right to third base. Just straight up in the air. And I thought, well, you know, Bumgarner was focused. He wasn't thinking about the guy in third at all. Mm Mm-hmm. The first year that he pitched in the series in 2010, he won a game. He went like eight and a third innings. And after the game, mind you, he hadn't pitched. He came in halfway through the season. He was a kid. He was like 21 or 22. Yeah, I think he pitched in 10, 15 games. They started him in game three or whatever, or game four, and he won it. And (laughs) and after the game, they go, were you nervous? And he goes, hell no, I was in the state finals. (laughs) And you're like, that's who I want out there. Yeah, absolutely. I want someone who's blank. Absolutely. Just nothing. Just, I'm not nervous, man. You yeah. didn't pitch. I North Carolina, I pitched in the state finals. And you're like, oh, honey. <laughs> oh, wow. You're such a hayseed. Yeah, yeah. And then he what, chugs like five beers at once yeah. after the game and yeah. stuff. But, S- dude, saving rabbits from uh That's exactly who I wanted on the mound in 2014 in yeah. the last game because he's ice cold. The, so they that made a terrible error too. almost. They could have scored on it if you yeah. want to be argue Yost's call on that. But then you don't want to make the last out of the plate and all that shit. Sure, of course. But... Oh, I remember was that. Perez going to yeah, make a, right. a perfect throw to Crawford for a perfect relay to the plate? Was yeah. that going to happen? I don't know. I don't, you don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, Bumgarner was just on fire like Hershiser. Yeah. We did it with one pitcher and a pop gun, yeah. is uh, what Flannery said, because we pitched him in every game. Every game we won, he pitched in. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think that shoulder injury is going to... I don't Shake know. That was really, that killed us last year, it like really everything did. else. It just killed us. You know, that guy's supposed to pitch 200 innings, yeah. and he's got to win 18 games. Otherwise, he's not Madison Bumgarner. Right. And maybe 21 games if we get on fire and yeah. score some runs, or he hits a couple homers and saves a few games <laughs> right. for himself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I- I'd like to say he's going to be full again. Um, I- my hope is that he's Clemens during the middle years and mm-hmm. is a 15 game winner yeah. with a three ERA. Yeah. Uh, he might surprise me and come back and you know throw be have a 2.5 yeah yeah and and 
you know, power pitchers throw power. They they strike out dudes, but they also get a lot of double plays. And Absolutely. GIDP is the best thing you could possibly throw as a pitcher, and walks are the thing that will lose every fucking game for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing like a free pass. <laughs> when you see guys get a guy on and then they walk the next batter, I, oh, my heart just always, no, no, no. Yeah. Or your first runner on in the inning, you got, you know, your team's up. And they get a guy on third and like, you're like, okay. And then he just stays on third and you <laughs> yeah. watch everybody hit to the left side yeah. and then a strikeout and then a pop-up and then a comeback. And you're like, well, this blue <laughs> could no one <laughs> drive the a, ball to right field. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay back it's, a little bit. Just stay back a little bit. It's not that easy. I mean, when, when teams are playing good, God, who is it on our, you know, we have so many fruitopian players uh, on my favorite Giants teams, Hunter Pence and Sandoval and guys mm-hmm. like that. That was the big difference between the 2002 team. The 2002 team was Jeff Ken and Barry Bonds calling each other names and sh- having shoving matches. Right. They really <laughs> yeah. didn't care for each other. There wasn't a lot of unity. Um, I think about half that team was roiding as hard as humanly sure. possible, uh, if not more. Yeah. Mind you, the whole league was, so I, I'm not singling out the Giants. I always think Barry gets unfair unfairly singled out when it's been proven that everybody was everybody writing, was doing it including the guy whose name i can't fucking think <laughs> of who played for the a's and then the yankees uh um we know that a rod roided and yeah. everybody wanted a rod to be the big hero that replaced barry right and it's like well he's not yeah they're, they're all players and they all wanted to win there was no rule against it the owners colluded yeah i don't go with that keith Olbermann thing of they're all big cheaters i don't i mean it's Everybody's cheating all the time. On so, yeah. you know, what I, so if everybody's cheating, it it's a game. So you che- people cheat at games. Everybody's trying to get an advantage. Who the Yankees were using Apple watches or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, I don't want them to do that, but it's happening. Right. So the I'm Yankees not gonna like, like. I mean, I'm not gonna. Barry Bonds is a great baseball player. Yeah. And you're gonna just throw him in the trash. But Mark McGuire is totally fine. Well, right. He gets. To <laughs> I come wonder back. what's I wonder what's going on there. Everybody's given him his sort of redemption. Could it, could it be the melanin and the wonder. lack of melanin in yeah. his skin? And you know, uh, the truth was, I don't think Bonds even thought about it until he saw McGuire and Sosa that year. Oh yeah, because he had a Hall of Fame year in '97. I think he had like 40 homers and 100 mm-hmm. RBIs and probably hit close to 300. And went, I'm not getting in the newspaper this year. <laughs> yeah. I can't get right. on Sports Center, man. Yeah. These two guys have taken over. And he thought, well. I'll just juice up and I'll get big. And then the next year from the age of 35 on, he hit 5 million home runs, including 73 one year. Yeah. And uh, so a friend of mine gave me a recording. I wasn't there. It was the last game of the season in 2001 and he hit 73 homers. And they brought Willie Mays out after the game to give a tribute to Barry, right? Because Willie Mays Mm -hmm. knew him since he was little. Bobby, I think it passed by them. And Bobby was my other favorite player of all time. His father, who I watched when I was little, who was the next Willie Mays, but he really was the next Willie Mays, yeah. except he struck out, I think, 180 something, 187 times one year. He really did not lay off the ball. I mean, <laughs> the dude just couldn't yeah. lay off the yeah. ball. Yeah. He swung at everything, but he had great speed. I'll be honest, and this is a, I don't know if this is heresy, he was a better outfielder than Barry, and he was a better base runner than Barry. Mm. But he wasn't a better hitter than Barry, yeah. and he wasn't a better all-around player than Barry. Barry was a, a one-man team. There's no question. Once he found himself, after he, you know, but what, after about four years on the Pirates, mm-hmm. when he started to fucking... Really get into yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because his first three or four years, he hits like 240. Then the average starts to go up. And mm-hmm. when the average starts to go up, then the walks start to go up. And then mm-hmm. you realize, then you're in Ted Williams' ter- ter- territory. Oh, yeah. You lay Tony off. Gwynn territory. Yeah. Where, 
uh, I don't get out a lot. <laughs> right. So you got to yeah. figure something to do with me. You yep. got to either put me on or if you're going to pitch me, you better be real fucking careful because <laughs> yeah. I drive in 100 runs. Um, and I'm going to punish you at one point in the game. If you throw the ball over the plate, you're in trouble. And um, But it took him a while to figure that out. Uh, I was at the first game in uh, the new park and to oh so anyway to finish that story Willie Mays comes out and Willie Mays is a, a frank gentleman from uh, outside of Birmingham he's from a little crap town in Alabama he had his father was kind of itinerant the mother wasn't existent she fobbed him off on the aunts and the aunts taught him to play ball and then he joined a ball club where he played with his dad. He was probably 14 or 15, and his dad was named Awesomely Cat, or sometimes <laughs> Kitty Cat Maze. <laughs> well, I assume because of the delicacy of his sure. fielding. absolutely. And uh, Willie got to play on that team. And uh, then he was golden. And everybody knew from high school on that this guy is the shit, and he needs to be mentored. So he played for the Black Barons, mm -hmm. and all the Black Barons looked after him. No chasing girls, no staying out, no drinking fucking hooch, no going, no gambling. Like all the players in the Negro mm -hmm. Leagues are pretty salty, right? Like they were adults, and they knew they were never going to get to the big leagues because they were barred. Then Jackie came. Mm -hmm. So mind you, Mays is what? A teenager when Jackie gets in. So now three years later... Uh, as soon as Jackie gets in, yeah. boom, he's signed. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he gets into the minor league system and uh, uh, gets to play ball. So people ask him why he didn't advocate more. And he's always like, I let my playing do the talking for mm -hmm. me. There's a famous instance when he's in the minors and they're in the South and he's getting called everything real bad. And he's a teen. Finally, the PA announcer comes on about the fifth inning and goes, will you let this boy play ball mm -hmm. and lay off him? He really did. Say it to the fans. Well. And the fans shut up. And Mays was like, that's how I did it. Jackie advocated constantly and was a, a civil rights leader on the ball field, mm -hmm. simply by being signed and Absolutely. who he was. And also an abstemious, non-smoking uh, Christian... Republican. Republican <laughs> right-winger yeah. who yeah. was married and had a child. Yeah. All those things were going for him. That's why he was chosen. Also... One thing they never talk about, and I'm coming back to this goddamn very story, uh, is that they is that he was a famous athlete in America. Mm -hmm. Jackie Robinson had played uh, for UCLA yeah. in a black backfield, which was unusual because there wasn't a lot of black backfields. Well, Pasadena is not fucking Alabama, right? So they were UCLA was willing to put <laughs> yeah. a couple black guys out there, and. So he was known to the country as a star college athlete. He played basketball. He was a track star. Mm -hmm. Baseball was his, like, win. Yeah. Baseball was his fourth, maybe fifth sport. Like, mm -hmm. he, he could play. Yeah. Um, but that's where the opportunity came. He was playing semi-pro football in Hawaii <laughs> yeah. when he got the call, yeah. right? And uh, Ricky, had, Ricky had gone through stacks and stacks of fucking black players. And there were a million that were better than him. Satchel Page was the most famous and clearly would have been a drawing card of infinite proportions. Every white fan in America knew who Satchel Page was. And like Joe Lewis or Jesse Owens, he mm -hmm. was that famous, more famous maybe because he'd been around for 20 bloody years. Um, Mona Irvin, who played for Newark, um, was the absolute best hitter in the Negro Leagues. So if you followed Negro ball, you knew that Monty Irvin could come to the bigs in a second and do what he did, which was hit 40 homers and <laughs> right, yeah. drive in, lead the league in RBIs as soon as he got to play in the bigs. Um, but 
Ricky was looking for an officer and a gentleman type. Yep. And also not someone, and this is going to sound terrible, but I think it's the truth. Not someone from the rural South who was kind of literate, who didn't have a birth certificate. Mm -hmm. He was looking for someone raised in the fucking white world, who'd been through white world school, who'd Mm -hmm. played with white players, who'd been to white high school, white college, white army where he'd been court-martialed oh, yeah. and all that. Uh, yep, I'm reading his autobiography right, right. now. So you know yeah, all these things yeah, that happened to yeah, him. Yeah, I know all these so things. He's like, he thought, I want someone who can play with white people who's not yeah. going to fucking freak out when there's a bunch of white people and is so strong that I'm going to tell him you can't fight back for like a couple of years mm-hmm. and he's going to do it, which he agreed to do. Yeah. Um, and Jackie, But then like also said, probably Republican. arguably sent him to an earlier, you know, I mean, he died in his, what, 50s? 50s? Yeah. It killed him, just like the reserve yeah. clause killed Kurt Flood. I think this country's dealt oh, yeah. so many black ball players the biggest fucking hand of shit that could ever be dealt. Um, when did there start to be, like, other than John Newcomb in the 50s, um, black baseball pitchers that were stars? Finally, right. in the 60s and early 70s, there's a few. Mm-hmm. Now there's more. But they it's really, still not that many. They, because scouts people, don't let you play pitcher. No, and also the scouting system is completely different now. Like, scouts don't go out, they don't scout. No. They go to these, you know, whatever, these conferences of baseball players and who can get to, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon wrote a a wonderful piece about it, like why there's no black baseball players anymore or why the numbers are dwindling because it's all about access. It's money and access to those. I mean, it requires a lot of equipment versus basketball um, if you're in a poor shoes and ball. Yeah, yeah exactly and there's basketball why are there no great black swimmers right Ex- pres- tennis precisely players. same thing golf yeah it's economics yeah economics and Racism. segregation yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah it's that's just extraordinary to me that people don't understand that the reason why there's no black baseball players is it's not interesting to the black community and they don't have access to being which is just not true chosen yeah uh, and it, it, i mean it is interesting it's just it's starved out so then it, yeah. you have to go to the things that are feeding you well, you know? if, if Jackie had been uh, alive now, uh, the NBA, I think. Oh, yeah. Or the NFL. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tony Gwynn. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember, he wasn't always fat. He was thin, <laughs> oh, yeah. thin at the beginning. He might have gone to the NBA. He, he made that personal decision and thought to himself, I'll play 20 years in the bigs. Yep. And I won't play. At the NFL, you play five, seven years. Yeah. Maybe t- f- and 10. And that kills you, too. And you'll get your head knocked in. Yeah, you'll die <laughs> yeah and he yeah. was too short to be in the nba right. and it didn't have the discipline quite frankly to keep yeah, the weight sure. off yeah um so so Mays comes out after the game where he said 73 homers and we didn't win the division and uh he's so frank and outspoken he gets out and he goes uh barry told me he was gonna i told barry he wasn't going to do it but he did it and I thought that's the most awesome thing to yeah, say. Yeah. Then he goes, I remember when Barry was a little boy and Bobby's locker was next to mine. He would come up to me in the locker room and I would say to Barry, stop stealing my gum. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Not like I, you know, right. always remember, son, yeah. you'll have a great future. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, stop stealing, stop my, stealing gum. my gum. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that's what I love about baseball is just this constant. It's everything is intertwined and it's just on this timeline that's forever feeding itself that's what i love about so the, game. the 2007 all-star game i took my friend jay we're deep fans and i had i had season tickets then so uh, we went to the Tucson, which was in um san francisco it was one of barry's last ones and uh before the game maze so they bring a maze out in a pink convertible and they roll him around the field mm-hmm. and maze pretty old then and barry always treated him like grandfather right like venerated 
And in this game was Ken Griffey Jr. This mm-hmm. is 97, uh, uh, 2007. And Barry, both at the end of their illustrious careers. And uh, Gr- uh, Griffey, strangely, at the end of his illustrious National League career, which <laughs> yeah. he has two completely separate careers. Uh, and Mays comes over. And Mays doesn't know everybody, right? Like when Williams, they brought mm-hmm. Williams out. And Williams knew like three guys. That's why they had Gwen sit with him and shit, because he knew fucking Gwen. <laughs> Uh, you know, Mays would be like, hey, you, hey, kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he knew Griffey because he played against Griffey, uh, the dad, and he knew Barry quite well. Um, Barry signals Ken Griffey over. And these are millionaires. Right. At this point, they're both making literally hundreds of millions of dollars, 50 mm-hmm. million at least. And Mays takes off his jacket and hands it to Griffey. And Griffey goes like this in front of all the ball players. So he got his jacket and puts it on. And I remember watching this part before yeah. the game and going, these are millionaires. They're like seven years They're, old. Yeah. Ken Griffey was chuffed. Yeah. Because Mays went like this. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Yeah, and Griffey yeah. came running over and he fucking gave him. The, and I was like, yeah, the continuum. Yep. It's a beautiful game. It is. That's the part that I like. Yeah. That's what I like too, Greg. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, will you come back? No. Yes, of course I will. <laughs> and talk more when the season's actually happening. Because yes, I'd love to. Wow, this was a thank you. A tremendous thank chat. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. I mean, just wonderful. Greg, thank you so much. Where can people find you? On the internet, I know. Gregproofs.com, at Gregproofs on Twitter. I can't remember what I am on Instagram. Something sexy with Greg Proofs. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like And you that. just gave me, you gifted me your book. The oh, smartest yeah. book in the world. You can buy my book, The Smartest Book in the World. Yeah. I gave it to Rhea for two reasons. One, my ego is completely out of control. <laughs> and two, there's tons of baseball in it. So, oh, I can't wait. And lots of old-timey baseball, 1890s baseball, yeah. dead ball. There's, as my wife said when she read the book, I gave it to her to read before I submitted it. And she went, there's a lot of fucking baseball. <laughs> so that's why I gave it to you. Oh, man, I love anything with a lot of fucking baseball in it. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man I don't know what that even means Forever Dog This has been a Forever Dog production Executive produced by Brett Boehm Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey For more original podcasts please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.